last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. Don't be surprised if Cortland Sutton shocks the world by burning Jacksonville Jaguars cornerbacks for big plays on Sunday. And your Twitter handle reads, Russell Wilson deserves better, and now Russell Wilson is getting what he deserves better! And put a ring on that finger, LaFleur. Somebody put a ring on Jamal Williams. I'm off Aaron Jones. I'm on Jamal Williams because of the mermaid talk. Thank God. And you know we have a public website that anyone can type in the name Marquez Valdez-Scantling. How's he doing? So Marquez Valdez-Scantling is essentially Devontae Parker with a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not caping up for Scantling. Have I ever painted my chest with an MVS logo? Oh, and we're doing over Ashton! It's exciting, man! It's time! That siren is the worst part about that. And you cannot call Kalen Balazs a trash can when you've talked about John Hillman on this episode. And you know what I mean? You whip it around and it's got like a like a sprocket or a ratchet in it. What the fuck are you talking about? And was that Kirsten Dunst dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once when I was 15. I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. And treat Dante Pettis like he's syphilis. Dante STDs. <laughs> so stupid. Dante Pettis TD. And the horn dog teenager in me misses some of those basic cable shows that I used to find erotic. Give me an example. Give me one. Pretty much any exercise related infomercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any new at home fitness product. Yeah. It's <laughs> Die Master. Yeah. Suzanne Summers selling the shit out of those things. A young pod father was a fan. Let's just say that. Oh, I'm glad you've grown up. And. Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And was I relating that to something sexual? It's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. He's doing the air guitar right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're making trades. I'm making deals. That's energy. It's trade day on the Sonic Truth Podcast. We're going to go through every team and talk trades. I did the deal I talked to Peter Howard about. I acquired Aaron Jones and Marvin Jones. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. Also Delaney Walker. Also Cole Beasley in a league where we start five receivers. And I acquired Mitchell Trubisky 
at his absolute low point. And I essentially gave up one guy. In a 2QB league, I gave up Dak Prescott. That's a big, major asset. You give up the best player, you better receive a war chest of assets in return, and I believe I did. Nate, we're doing a show. It's called the Sonic Truth Podcast. Are you familiar hello? with it? Are you alive? Hello. Are you hello? Uh, yeah, I'm becoming familiar with it. There's a bit of a lag in the camera this evening. It's about a full second and a half. So, uh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what's going on right now. It's that excuse machine is working well. I'm cranking them out. It's firing on all cylinders. This Nate List excuse machine. Just cranking out big, big things of spaghetti. Hand crank them. I'm just making pasta over here. I, I I'm interested to talk about this topic. We haven't done um, much conversation on this, to be honest with you. This buy, you know, buy high, sell low, sell high. You know, it'll be interesting because the season is not shaped out the way that people expected it to. We talked off air a little bit about some names that are shocking names to sort of be in the center of this conversation. So I'm shocking. I'm excited to get into this. Let's go through every team in the NFL, Nate. Oh, God. And talk about a single player who should be on the block, either as a sell-high or a sell-low candidate, or as someone that Dynasty Leaguers should be pursuing as a buy-high or a buy-low candidate. And let's just run through both conferences. The New England Patriots. Mm. Which Mm. player should either be targeted in trade or unloaded? I mean, I think it feels pretty obvious right now that Nikhil Harry should be targeted, right? We haven't seen him yet. And this is a team that's desperate for playmakers. We talked in the offseason. Cliche alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! We talked in the offseason that the New England Patriots aren't necessarily the team you want to hitch your wagon to in terms of pass opportunity. But his value has been suppressed because we haven't seen him. But the closer he gets to returning to the football field, the more that value starts to climb upward. So that's a player that I'd like to buy. And I feel like his value is still a little low, especially after seeing so many other guys in this class hit. You know, you got hit with a cliche alert 15 seconds ago. Did I? What would I do this time? You're hitching wagons now. Oh, Christ. My daughter has discovered Oregon Trail online. Yeah, you can find free versions of Oregon Trail online, and I can't complete the game. My party dies every time because I crank it up to strenuous, mm-hmm. and we just all die of typhoid and cholera. <laughs> can you call it Oregon? Oregon. I call it Oregon. Oregon. I know it's Oregon. I, I know in my heart it's Oregon, but I love calling it Oregon. <laughs> oh my god! It sounds like octagon, oh. like UFC. You sound like you're saying it wrong. That's what it sounds like. I am saying it wrong. No, I agree with you. I'm saying it wrong, but there are some words I willfully say wrong. And what the fuck are you going to do about it, Nate? I mean, not from here. I can't do much. You can't do anything. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I will tell you, Nikhil Harry is the best by low among the rookie wide receivers. I think he's a better by low than Andy Isabella because Andy Isabella doesn't have the same excuses, the same rationale that Nikhil Harry has for not producing. Nikhil Harry's been hurt. He's on the injured reserve. It's impossible to produce from injured reserve. But Andy Isabella has been outsnapped by Trent Sherfield and the hyper-unathletic Keyshawn Johnson. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a concern for Andy Isabella. I'm not targeting Mr. Isabella. I'm targeting Mr. Harry. And I'm selling low on Sony Michelle. I keep hearing that they want to get him going in the passing game, and then every week it's nine targets for James White. And it's the same story every week. Groundhog Day, lots of rushing yards, and nothing else from Sony Michelle. And he's not even hurt yet. Sell low. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's so classic because we saw him rip off a pretty good catch the other night. Uh, he was kind of a, it was an out route or I, I can't remember what he was doing. Did he, it was a swing pass to the left or something. He caught it for like nine yards, went out of bounds. I don't watch the games, Nate. You don't watch the games. That's right. I don't watch the games. I know. And you're wearing a new England Patriots, uh, a button down right now, but I am team Damian Harris. Damian Harris is a buy low. Nikhil Harry is a buy low for the same reasons. Quality players that have not been active on game days, so they cannot display their wares to the world. They can't show their athletic ability and football instincts to the world yet, yet, yet. But those opportunities are coming. I agree. I agree with that take. And somebody on Twitter made a good point. This is something to think about. With all the injuries and inefficiency in this New England run game, he still hasn't been on the field yet. Just wait. (laughs) Just wait. Remember Rob Gronkowski's rookie year? We didn't see him on the field until the second half of the season. It was Aaron Hernandez, right? Aaron Hernandez was the steal of the draft at the tight end position. And then Gronkowski is activated week seven. Next thing you know, season's over and he has 10 touchdowns. Just wait, Nate. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Damian Harris is good. Nikhil Harry's good. Him not playing has, su- has suppressed his value. We don't disagree. You buy good players. This is the time of year you buy good players that, for good reasons, have not seen the field. Andy Isabella doesn't qualify. I'm just sucking my thumb right now. Buffalo Bills. Mm, Buffalo Bills. Any good buy or sell candidates on the Bills? I'm buying Dawson Knox. Are you buying Dawson Knox? Yes, Dawson Knox. And his twin brother, Foster Moreau. We can skip right to the Raiders. These are the same guy. They underproduced at the college level for very good reasons. Whether it would be target competition for Dawson Knox at Mississippi or a anemic offense at LSU for Foster Moreau, very similar athletic profiles, very similar players. And I think both are destined to be tight end ones in fantasy football in the near future. I'm surprised at the number of rookie tight ends that are already producing. We don't typically see rookie tight ends, especially those that were not particularly active in the passing game at the college level, putting up 50-plus yards early in their rookie year. That's incredibly encouraging. Remember, tight ends like Greg Olson, they didn't produce until year three, four, five. So to produce in September of your rookie season is noteworthy for both Knox and Moreau. Can we can we also add on Dawson Knox that uh, I know you're not going to care about this, but Zay Jones recently sent to Oakland, so that opened up target share. Dawson Knox was tied for number three in Buffalo for targets with Zay Jones. Woo! Zay Jones is gone. Here we go. Maybe a little bump for Dawson Knox going forward. Did you ever watch Dawson's Creek? <laughs> Fuck. I love James Vanderbeek. Did you ever watch the movie Isle of Dr. Moreau? I didn't. I didn't either. I've never seen I've never seen Dawson's Creek and I've never seen the movie Island of Dr. Moreau. 
You never seen Dawson's Creek, huh? Well, you you missed uh, you missed a generational TV show. But I have seen Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. <laughs> it's my favorite line. I don't want your life. Oh man, I also love the dad when he wants him to throw the ball and he yells at him, "Fire that fucking pig skin!" <laughs> <laughs> Hits him right in the beak. <laughs> Vanderbeek in the beak now. Yep. Bang. Oh. So buy high on Dawson Knox, buy low on Robert Foster. It is about to be Robert Foster's season. He's the number three. What about DeQuill Williams? Duke Williams. Duke Williams is the number three. Haven't you seen Duke Williams commanded targets in week four? Get ready. It's going to be Duke Williams season. No, it's not. No, it's not. Robert Foster was out with a groin injury, and now they have the bye week for him to get fully healthy. He's the official number three receiver for the Buffalo Bills, and one of the reasons why they were comfortable trading Zay Jones, the Bills are ready to unlock or re-unlock Robert Foster. He's a mega athlete that didn't produce at Alabama because he was parked behind Amari Cooper on the depth chart and often hurt, but he was a five-star recruit. You have a five-star recruit with elite athleticism who has demonstrated efficiency at the NFL level. These are boxes that not many wide receivers are ever able to check. So this is the perfect time to get Robert Foster as a throw-in. And and let's not forget, number one, uh, thank you, Matt, because the teammate score does matter. But let's not forget, the, his only competition on this team was two diminutive wide receivers in John Brown and Cole Beasley. That's right. We're both fine in their own right, but Robert Foster truly is the only alpha left on this roster with experience. Yeah, he's the only guy that can play X other than Duke Williams, and fuck Duke Williams. Fair enough. New York Jets. Buy high, buy low, sell high, sell low on any Jets. Oh, God, the New York Jets. Robbie Anderson, buy low, sell low, buy low, sell low. What do we do with Robbie Anderson? Oh, boy. Well, isn't Robbie Anderson kind of a buy low right now? I don't feel like there's any way to sell high on Robbie Anderson. He hasn't done much this year. He's done exactly nothing. And we told you he would do nothing because he faced the most difficult cornerback matchups in the history of the wide receiver position. So if anyone's a buy low right now, it's Robbie Anderson because of the cornerback matchups and the previous quarterback play. You buy Robbie Anderson because of Stephon Gilmore and Luke Falk. You're not going to score fantasy points when you're facing that kind of headwind. But the schedule eases up. The offense will become more prolific. Bye, bye, bye. So to that same extent, uh, where do you have Le'Veon Bell right now? Are we looking at Le'Veon Bell like it's going to get softer with the schedule? He's going to get Sam Darnold back? You need to trade Le'Veon Bell after he has one big performance. We're hoping for a big week this week against the Dallas Cowboys. If he posts 20-plus fantasy points, I'm trading him. I have him in a couple leagues, and I'm waiting for that big week where everyone finally exhales and says, okay, Le'Veon Bell's back. I'm trading him at that very moment because the sell window isn't quite open wide enough yet. I agree. Miami Dolphins. Jesus Christ. You know the answer. Preston Williams is a buy high. Preston Williams is well regarded, but I don't think he's well regarded enough because his brand has been tarnished by this Miami Dolphins tank season. It's the same reason you'd buy Terry McLaurin. There's there's still this cloud hanging over these wide receivers. What is their situation? When will they ever enjoy efficient quarterback play? When will they ever reach the red zone? Will they ever score touchdowns? 
in this team environment? And the answer is, yeah, yeah. These teams turn around faster than you think. We had the same conversation about Christian Kirk last year. And the team goes out and drafts uh, 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 Kyler Murray. So one of these two teams is going to get Tua. And it's going to be wheels up for either Preston Williams or Terry McLaurin. And then there's going to be another quarterback, not named Tua, who emerges throughout the process that the draft analysts love almost as much as Tua. And then the other team is going to get that quarterback and they'll both be fine. So go trade for Preston Williams, trade for Terry McLaurin. Baltimore Ravens. Oh, good Lord. Any moves to be made with Baltimore? Obviously, for the same reason that we like Nikhil Harry, we should love Miles Boykin, right? Yes, Miles Boykin is about to demonstrate his wares this week with Marquise Brown, a game-time decision. Mm. Trade for him now, anticipating he will be the starting X receiver if Marquise Brown sits. Can I just say, I just wrote an article over at the Breakout Finder Patreon, and not to give away too much, but the two the two players I was telling people, urging people to go by before it's too late, are Dawson Knox and Miles Boykin. And we've talked about both of them right here in the kickoff of this discussion, the AFC East, Dawson Knox, Preston Williams, Robbie Anderson, Nikhil Harry, Damian Harris... Miles Boykin, buy alerts. Oh God, I gotta get, I gotta get something like this for my podcast. Just such an extra, you know, extra dimension of the show. I love it. Cleveland Browns, (sighs) buy low on Odell Beckham. Yeah, I mean, obviously his value's falling. He's been doing absolutely nothing, and at some point, you need to be worried about Odell and Baker Mayfield. Are these buy low? I don't think they're buy lows. I don't. I'm either holding or staying away. Odell Beckham, we've seen we've seen him in the NFL. It's no question he's an elite talent in the right situation. All right, I give up. It's over now. Be very careful. Be very careful trading for Odell Beckham or Baker Mayfield. This may be a lost season. If anything, I'm trading for... Wait for it. Wait for it. Jarvis Landry. Here we go. Here we go. And here we go. Odell Beckham's overrated. There I said it. And here we go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, oh my, I don't have the energy to fight this fight, but I'm just going to totally disagree with you. If you can get Odell Beckham... At less than what people were asking for prior to this season. Why can't he get open? He has Baker Mayfield. What are you doing? Uh, FYI, Mr. Kelly, maybe Baker Mayfield's not that good. So your position is Baker Mayfield's overrated. Mine is Odell Beckham's overrated because one of these two guys is overrated. Odell, but I could hit Odell Beckham. You can't underperform to this degree through five weeks and not have at least one of these two Members of this duo be overrated. One of them is. It's it's Baker Mayfield. It has to be. It's Odell Beckham. Pittsburgh Steelers. Any buying or selling? Uh, I, I mean, I want to buy anybody that's now in front of Dante Moncrief, not named Juju Smith. I think that Deontay Johnson is the guy in this offense that has really ascended over the past few weeks, and he's done it very quietly. I mean, if you look at his snap share, if you look at his target share, you know, if you look at that opportunity rise. 
Um, this is the guy that I think you want to get your hands on before it's too late, even though James Washington had the rapport from college with Mason Rudolph. It didn't translate. The rapport factor did not translate into snaps and routes. Deontay Johnson getting the snaps, getting the routes, and getting the targets. And he's a year younger. That tells you everything you need to know. Not only is it over for Dante Moncrief, it's over for James Washington. Mm. It's the Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson show in Pittsburgh for the next five years. Mm -hmm. So get your hands on Deontay Johnson. This is a buy-high situation in Dynasty. You can't get him as a throw-in anymore because he's been producing over 50 yards, touchdown. Those that drafted him drafted him because they think he's good, and then he's going out and producing in the first five weeks of his NFL career. So those dynasty owners have been validated. So now you have to overpay for Deontay Johnson, and I'm telling you, he's worth overpaying for. Why? Because he was the best special teams player in college football last year, and we love dynamism from the wide receiver position. It's why we had the dynamic score on the breakout finder. If you believe in the breakout finder, then you believe in Deontay Johnson. I love it. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals, any buying or selling? I'm buying Joe Mixon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. Joe Mixon's great. Right. He's been stuck on the wrong team. He's been trapped behind one of, if not the worst, run-blocking units in the league. It can't be the worst because that's Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon are buys because they're trapped. Yep. Yep. You think they both have bad quarterbacks. I'm not willing to say that about Nick Chubb's quarterback. But it's possible that the Bengals go out and sign or draft another quality offensive lineman. They get their first-round pick, Jonah Williams, back from injury. And the offensive line is completely reinvented in 2020 with a new quarterback. So we could get improved quarterback play, improved offensive line. So you have overall offensive efficiency vastly improved with wider running lanes and more red zone visits, all propelling Joe Mixon in 2020. This is a buy low lull for Joe Mixon. Go get him. Houston Texans. I mean, okay, there's only two ways this can go. There's only two ways. One, you're buying low on DeAndre Hopkins because this season hasn't been that great yet, or at least what we expected. He was the wide receiver one last year. He's wide receiver 15 right now. Or you're buying Duke Johnson. But we've seen now two teams treat Duke Johnson like a second-class citizen as a running back, and it's super unfortunate. So if you're betting that Duke Johnson's going to get his opportunity in Houston or the third team is going to get him, give him an opportunity, that's one thing. But to me, it's going to be a touch squeeze if you're talking about Kenny Stills. Will Fuller's always going to be the number two. DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the most talented receivers in the league. You're not buying low on Kiki QT. He's in a target squeeze. You're buying Duke Johnson. It's a buy low situation because all we need is a Carlos Hyde high ankle sprain, and Duke Johnson becomes a top five running back in the NFL. Then he goes to free agency, and a team signs him to be their bell cow. We saw this with Aaron Jones. He was the 1B to Jamal Williams 1A two weeks ago. And now, now he's he's been anointed the next stud NFL running back. He's now a no-doubter. Well, it just takes a couple weeks operating as the primary back with an all-purpose skill set in a high-scoring offense. 
Suddenly, you put up two straight 25-point weeks, and you're untouchable in Dynasty. It happens that fast. It turns on a dime for these running backs. You buy the talent profile on the right team, and Duke Johnson is the least expensive asset who is sitting in the center of that intersection at value. And all you have to do is go to playerprofiler.com, pull up Duke Johnson's name, and just look at his efficiency metrics. Number two in breakaway run rate, number nine in juke rate, you know, number two in yards per touch. That's just this season. He's number one in those categories the last five years. Since he entered the league, no running back has been as elusive or as efficient in all phases as Duke Johnson. Number one in juke rate, number one in yards per touch. Yeah, you just have to hope that that opportunity comes. That's always been the argument with Duke Johnson. The talent's there. Just let the man play. You buy opportunity and you fade efficiency in seasonal leagues. In Dynasty, you buy efficiency knowing the opportunity is inevitable. Even if you're a 25-year-old running back like Duke Johnson, he's been unlucky, but that's not to say that he won't be unlocked at some point. I'm betting there is a two- to three-week period during the season when he breaks out absolutely all over the place. And I'm going to have to put one of those sneeze guards up on my computer so I don't make a mess of the screen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got you. You're you're not saying you're actually going to sneeze. Bodily fluids, Nate. Oh, we, we know what you mean. No, I got it. We get it, Matt. And you... <laughs> Uh, uh, this is why this show's number one indianapolis colts oh i wanted this one so bad it's paris campbell in spades i thought you were gonna say buy low on Deion kane like an idiot no i was going to to be funny but i don't want to do it because i want to talk about paris campbell thank you be serious here is why paris campbell is a buy low number one he has done nothing to this point week one week two a single target Plays week three, only gets three targets, low production. Plays week four. Now, let me tell you about week four. Five catches for 25 yards. Doesn't sound like much, but that was on 116 air yards. The only guy on his team that week to go over 100 air yards. They're targeting him downfield, intermediate, short area. He's getting a full spectrum of usage. We knew what Paris Campbell was when he came into the league. He was drafted with the draft capital that you wanted when he was selected to the Indianapolis Colts. And even though Andrew Luck is gone, Jacoby Brissett is an ample option to make Paris Campbell a great buy low option. Buy Paris Campbell immediately. My fist is raised in the air. That is the greatest take from Nate List in the history of the Sonic Truth podcast. I have nothing to add, Nate. That was perfect. Jacksonville Jaguars. I want you to to take this one. We're buying high on DJ Chark. DJ Chark is the prototypical X receiver that we've been wanting. He is the chosen one. We were looking for the next Roddy White, Torrey Holt, and we found him in Chris Godwin. And thank God we did. We thank Godwin every day. And we've been looking for the next AJ Green, the next svelte, hyper-athletic, cheat code outside receiver who doesn't fall down at the catch point like Mike Evans. We've been waiting for years for this player with a 93rd percentile burst and the 96th percentile speed score. The huge yards per reception at the college level 
despite the low usage because he was trapped on a run-first offense. Everything is clicking into place for DJ Chark, and all he's doing is commanding the most deep targets in the league. Mm -hmm. Translating that into 13.1 yards per target, which is top five in the league, despite NFL cornerbacks giving him as much respect as they do Julio Jones. 5.32 average yards of cushion. They refuse to crowd DJ Chark at the line of scrimmage because they know they can't. He's 6'3", and he will just move them off the line of scrimmage with his long arms, toss them out of bounds, and gallop down the field. He will long stride his way down the field like a gazelle. (laughs) One-hand catch a long pass for a touchdown. He is aesthetically pleasing to the eye, and your fantasy box score is DJ Chark, it's Terry McLaurin, it's Deontay Johnson we mentioned earlier. Their lifetime values have been rising significantly on the Dynasty Dominator app, and you can see it on our Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. We have the lifetime value change displayed, and DJ Chark is one of those players where the rope is just slipping out from between your hands. I can't quite catch up. He's exceeding expectations every week, so you just need to overpay now. His lifetime value was 60, and then it was 70, and then it was 80. You got to get him now before it's a hundred. Tennessee Titans. Mm. Mm. Oh, this is what this is the maybe the most depressing team of all the teams that we've talked about. Uh, what? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I mean, no, that's not right at all. Derrick Henry is a buy high, and AJ Brown is a buy low after he face planted in Week Five. I'm not sure that A.J. Brown is a buy low, though. We've seen him flash a little bit. Paris hasn't flashed. Nikhil hasn't played. Isabella hasn't played. You know, we've seen A.J. Brown play. I I just... No, A.J. Brown has not broken out at a Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin level yet. It's coming, though. It may not come this week. He's playing Denver and likely matching up with Chris Harris. So that's not ideal. But I think A.J. Brown, you wait for one more week. You hope he airballs it this week. Then you have two air balls in a row, and you buy off of that. But I'm buying Derrick Henry. I'm buying A.J. Brown. I think this offense is pointing in the right direction. And if they replace Marcus Mariota in the offseason with a quarterback upgrade, I mean... That's the difference. There's nothing not to like. And we can also confirm that Corey Davis is not a buy low. If anything, Corey Davis is a sell low. You get what you can for Corey Davis at this point before he reaches zero. I mean, congratulations if you hold on to him until he's worth nothing. That's not optimizing your dynasty assets. You still can get something for Corey Davis because he's not the alpha in that passing game. And a run-first team led by Derrick Henry can only support one fantasy-relevant wide receiver, and that guy is A.J. Brown for the next four years. So fuck Corey Davis. Kansas City, what do you think? I mean, it's it's got to be I, okay. I wrote something up on him before. Uh, this may not be a name that you're you're into, but I think that Demarcus Robinson has done a ton for himself to start this year. I realize that Miko Harbin's going to be the guy, but when you look at Sammy Watkins, the injuries, the inefficiency, the contract buyout in 2020, Demarcus Robinson is kind of a sneaky name in there as a wide receiver three. No, he doesn't offer the upside of Miko Harbin. Which, when you look at what he's done this year, there are a lot of reasons to buy into Demarcus Robinson in Kansas City. He's misunderstood. 
Demarcus Robinson is not a downfield playmaker. Just because he has big games on his 2019 resume doesn't mean he's a downfield splash play specialist. He's not. He runs a 1096 80th percentile agility score. And he has size, 6'1", 203. He is what we hoped Taewon Taylor would become. And in that way, he's positioned to exceed expectations now and for the next few seasons as the full-time slot receiver in Kansas City. Don't you want to be a full-time receiver in any capacity on the Kansas City Chiefs? Mm-hmm. So you hope he airballs this week and you can get him at value as a throw-in in the weeks ahead. That's how I would play it with Demarcus Robinson. You see Dynasty Leaguers thinking ahead. Oh, I know that Tyreek Hill's coming back. I better sell high on Demarcus Robinson. That's a good idea. Let those people think they're smart. And Demarcus Robinson can parachute right onto your team and keep producing out of the slot for the rest of the season. Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders, we already covered it. Foster Moreau, Los Angeles Chargers. The L.A. Chargers, man, I I mean, I don't think you're a believer in Hunter Henry. I think all these injuries have have kept his value down. And I'm a believer in Hunter Henry in that he is what he is. And I'm not that interested in a Hunter Henry. And I'm going to go buy low on a tight end. It's going to be O.J. Howard. It's not going to be Hunter Henry. There's only so many buy low tight ends that I can focus on in a given season. I've decided it's going to be O.J. Howard. And there's not a lot of options on the Chargers. That's what I'm saying. That's why I went Hunter Henry. There's just not. No. I would sell low on Mike Williams. If you have Mike Williams, I would sell after his impressive week five performance. Now is the time. There's very few sell windows left in Mike Williams' career, but we are in one of them right now. Push the sell button. He stinks. <laughs> it stinks. It's such a it's such a great word. I I just it always makes me laugh. Denver Broncos. Okay, you ready for this one? Look, Emmanuel Sanders is almost thirty three years old. So the name that I'm going to drop here is a name that we talked about last year. It's Deshaun Hamilton. Oh God, stop it. I, I'm no. I'm, I'm just saying Deshaun Hamilton. No, I disagree. No, we're not talking about Deshaun Hamilton. Who, who's the who's the buy low on this team? Do you think this team can support more than one fantasy-relevant wide receiver? No. The guy to own in Denver... Here we go. ...is Cortland Sutton. But everybody knows Sutton's the guy. Cortland Sutton and DJ Chark are great hopes for the X position in the NFL, the throwback X receivers, to produce WR1 numbers over the next five years. These are the bully outside playmakers that we've come to enjoy for the last 20 years in the NFL. There are very few of this breed left. It is a endangered species. But fortunately, we have DJ Chark and we have Cortland Sutton. Let's enjoy them while we have them. And you buy high. You overpay for DJ Chark and you overpay for Cortland Sutton. In fact, I'm targeting both in a single deal. There are very few times that I would find myself on the quantity side of a deal, and I'm not acquiring the best player, but I could see giving up an established stud for Cortland Sutton and DJ Chark. It'd be a bitter pill for the other owner to swallow, but so many dynasty leaguers are chasing that two-for-one deal that they would push the button, even though 
they know there's plenty of room for Chark and Sutton to run. In what world do you think Deshaun Hamilton is going to help your fantasy team? I don't understand where you're coming from because they're going to draft a wide receiver next season. It's going to be Sutton and whoever they draft. Deshaun Hamilton, at best, is going to be the slot receiver for a run-first offense without a quarterback. We're just trying to name buy-low players on this offense. I mean, Cortland Sutton's the obvious buy-high. There's no, there's no question. Oh, no. Most dynasty leaguers aren't trying to buy high. They want to buy low. But this is more of a buy-high show than a buy-low show. And you shouldn't be burning roster space, lighting it on fire, parking a Deshaun Hamilton there, who is not a difference maker. That was misguided advice, and I'm glad I intervened. <laughs> Thank God. Philadelphia Eagles, what are you doing? Obviously, you're buying Miles Sanders. Yes. Moving on. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, buying Michael Gallup. Yes. 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 Oh, and you got to get him before this week. Oh, you got to get him before this week. He could go for 200-plus yards this week against Daryl Roberts, who was ranked outside the top 100 cornerbacks on the player profile or cornerback rankings. He is the worst full-time corner in the league, and Randall Cobb is unlikely to play. This sets up so perfectly for a massive boom week for Michael Gallup, especially if the Jets' defensive game plan is stuff Ezekiel Elliott, play-action pass, deep throw, Prescott to Gallup, over 200 yards and three touchdowns. That's my call. And if you look at Gallup over the three weeks that he played with Amari Cooper, he had a higher snap share, higher air yards. Cooper might have had a little bit more on the actual receiving yards, but Michael Gallup has showed out this year, and you got to get your hands on him. And he's easier to obtain than a Chark or a Sutton who have produced more because they haven't been injured. You're taking advantage of the injury that Michael Gallup sustained earlier in the season. It makes him a greater injury risk over the next season or two. Don't be surprised if Michael Gallup misses more games with lower body injuries. But you got to buy high right now. I mean, right now. I mean, pull the car over if you're listening to the show in the car and throw an offer against the wall for Michael Gallup. How about the New York Giants? I mean, just just based on how things have shaken out over the past couple weeks, uh, it's, kind, it's kind of a split for me. I like Sterling Shepard, but I'm going to go with Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram is... Is somebody that, I mean, I don't know what, what your opinion is on this. You're shaking your head already. Evan Ingram has the talent. If you go back to last year, he's going to be a top five tight end in this league. We are about to roll out our injury forecasting module that has a diagram of the human body, shows the injuries and the probability of injury in 2019. Now, I know we're a little late with this. We're two months late rolling it out. But guess who was top five? In the NFL, at his position, in fragility rating and likelihood of being injured in 2019. Uh, can I take a guess? Evan Ingram. You didn't let me guess. Evan Ingram was the under-the-radar injury risk at the tight end position, just like Melvin Gordon is the under-the-radar injury-prone running back. So, I believe that, sadly, Evan Ingram won't be right for the rest of the season. You could trade for him in the offseason, but as I mentioned, O.J. Howard is a much better value. Evan Ingram surpassed O.J. Howard on our Dynasty rankings. O.J. Howard is much easier to acquire, and I believe they have similar upside in the long term. So if you're looking at potential trade targets at tight end, by process of elimination, I'm pushing Evan Ingram off to the side. And the one move I would make 
is in two QB and super flex leagues, I would get the hell out of this Daniel Jones. He's not Danny Dimes. He's Danny Doodoo. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, you're pushing that tweet pretty hard. What tweet? What are, you, what are you talking about? You tweeted Danny Doodoo earlier today, <laughs> didn't you? God, I, I surf the internet sometimes. With Daniel Jones, it's time to panic. It's fight or flight time, and I choose flight. Get the fuck out of there. He wasn't good in college, and he was great in preseason. Which sample is more indicative? The college career or preseason? Which is more predictive? I mean, the college career. The college career. Who drafted him? A general manager who knows what he's doing or Dave Gettleman? Dave Gettleman. Daniel Jones is who we thought he was. And I know, oh, well, you know, context matters. He struggled against the best defense in the league. You can't hold that against him. Uh, Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Because the entire league is figuring him out. I know he didn't have any weapons and he faced the best defense. So, yes, I am discounting his failure, but I'm still holding it against him. And if you zoom out, he hasn't been good this season and he wasn't good in college. So it's time for the scales to fall from the eyes, New York Giants fans, and ship Daniel Jones, especially in 2QB and Superflex leagues while you can still acquire a quality player. You can get a DJ Chark or a Cortland Sutton for Daniel Jones and Superflex. You know that, Nate. I do. Washington, what are you doing? Okay. We're acquiring Say it. Terry McLaurin. Goddamn right we are. We're buying high on Terry McLaurin. We already know that. The breakout finder loves Terry McLaurin. Therefore, we love Terry McLaurin. And all of you were hoarding Terry McLaurin in the third and fourth rounds of of rookie drafts. And every day, on a daily basis, Nate Liss and I receive tweets thanking us for success in your dynasty league because you killed it in the rookie draft two years ago. You killed it in the rookie draft last year. And you absolutely destroyed your rookie draft this year because of us. And you're welcome. So we're buying high on Terry McLaurin. Any other moves you want to make in Washington? Any? Any at all? I would like to acquire Darius Geis. I mean, the injuries are always the concern. Thank you. Thank you. Get Darius Geis. Go trade for him right now. If you don't get Darius Geis in the next two weeks, you're doing your fantasy team a disservice. I think people sometimes forget just how explosive Darius Geis was because we just never get to see it. He's incredible. Do you like Nick Chubb? Love him. Do you like Leonard Fournette? Love him. Imagine if Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette walked into a particle acceleration chamber and the best features of both were combined into a single running back. The door opens. Who emerges from that chamber, Nate? Mm, Darius Geis. Darius Geis. Just like with Joe Mixon, the offensive line will be improved next year. The quarterback play will be improved. Everything will be better in Washington next year. So you got to get Darius Geis now. It's not, you don't have to get him this week, but get him before the month of October. How about that? How about that for a deadline to go acquire Darius Geis in Dynasty? Is that fair? I love it. That's absolutely fair. Green Bay Packers, any moves you want to make? I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy high on Devontae Adams. It's a buy low, Nate. He's hurt. Well, is it a buy low when you know that he's elite? I mean, that he's he's a high-end producer? I don't want to talk about Devontae Adams because he's not interesting. Oh, here we go. I'm selling low on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. What do you think about just getting out of Marquez Valdez-Scantling before he hits zero? Uh, I thought Marquez Valdez-Scantling was zero before everything started. I don't own him anywhere, and you should absolutely get rid of him if possible. Do you know who hates Marquez Valdez-Scantling? 
don't know, most people can't stand him, wants nothing to do with him, wants Marquez Valdez-Scantling as far away as possible. <laughs> I don't know. The breakout finder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He checks zero boxes that the breakout finder gives a shit about. It's not, uh, he's, he's not on its radar. This is a very deep aside for those in tight end premium and two tight end leagues. Robert Tanya is interesting. I know the hipsters love to talk about Tanner Hudson in Tampa Bay because Tanner Hudson destroyed the preseason even more than Daniel Jones. But he doesn't have a path to starter snaps in the near term. O.J. Howard's a first-round pick, so Tampa's going to pick up his option. Green Bay, on the other hand, it's all green grass in front of Robert Tanya longer term. He is Tanner Hudson North. Upper percentile athleticism across the board with dominant college production. Few fringe tight ends down the depth chart check as many boxes as Robert Tanya, and none of them have the kind of opportunity waiting for them as a key member of a prolific offense in the years ahead, quite like Robert Tanya. And even if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, the Packers absolutely love Tim Boyle. I had to drop Tim Boyle in a 2QB league, and it broke my heart today. I have him stashed everywhere in 2QB leagues. Packers love him. If I had to pick a backup quarterback that nobody knows about that could exceed all expectations if given an opportunity, it's Tim Boyle. Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. I say Oregon, and that's incorrect. You say Detroit. It's Detroit. So you're allowed to do that, though. I'm fine with it. But I'm just letting you know that you're not perfect with your location pronunciation. I'm I'm pretty sure that Detroit sounds right, but Detroit? Detroit. I know it sounds good, it but does. it's Detroit. Okay. I think Oregon sounds good. Okay. I, I mean, I'm with you. But that's definitely wrong, though. Like, that stands out to the ear. Sounds bad. We're buying Karrion Johnson, right? Of course. Why? Well, I, I was trying to get people. We talked about it. He's a workhorse. He's a workhorse. He's been getting 80% plus of the opportunity share the last two weeks. He is excellent in all phases, and yes. this offensive line is only going to get better. The offense is only going to get better as the coaching staff finally comes to Jesus that they need to pass the ball more than they run the ball. Mm-hmm. It's one of those situations where the running back can benefit if the team tilts more pass-heavy. Go get Karrion Johnson. The great discount bell cow in the NFL. Chicago Bears, what are you doing? I'm buying high on Allen Robinson. Absolutely. Allen Robinson is an absolute stud. Who is going who who produces more fantasy points the rest of the season? Allen Robinson or Odell Beckham? Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. It's not close, actually, because Odell Beckham's overrated. Allen Robinson's underrated. <laughs> okay, I don't agree. Allen Robinson looks at Brandon Cooks who is a sell-low in Los Angeles. He is the ultimate sell-low candidate. He's a situational field stretcher and number three receiver in his passing game. And he's still viewed as a fringe elite talent. That is the dictionary definition of a sell-low. Brandon Cooks. Get out while he still has brand equity. Allen Robinson looks at Brandon Cooks' career and wants to punch him in the face. Wait, you've got to catch passes from a Drew Brees and then Tom Brady and then Sean McVay vis-a-vis Jared Goff, and you're complaining now because 
Goff is being exposed as a fraud in your sixth season, you don't have the best possible quarterback play? Fuck you, Brandon. Fuck you. I'm getting the hell out of David Montgomery. He is a bust on the level of Jeremy Hill. Get out now. So many of you that had Jeremy Hill in his rookie year wish you would have sold high on Jeremy Hill. Well, David Montgomery didn't even give you that productive rookie season that Jeremy Hill did. Get out. Run. Absolutely. I'm talking roadrunner fast. You get the hell out of this David Montgomery. David Montgomery is one of the least athletic running backs you could have. Cleese Hailer. Hitched a wagon to. Why are you hitching wagons so often in this show? Because he runs like there's a wagon hitched to him. <laughs> That's great. Right? That one works. We have to nullify the cliche alert if you're going to use it in such a fashion. Thank you. You didn't use it as a cliche. You used it as a illustration device. It's a great job. You're good at radio, Nate. I, thank you. I've been working on it. I've been taking Matt Kelly classes on it. Get the fuck out of this David Montgomery money pit. Run. Minnesota Vikings. Any moves? If you're not buying low on Stefan Diggs, you're doing it wrong, right? Yes. Oh, one of the great buy lows in the NFL, Stephon Diggs. I also have a great stash candidate for you. If anything happens to Dalvin Cook and they're trying to hurt Dalvin Cook, they want him to get hurt. It's almost like they're the Minnesota Vikings should change their team name to the Cavaliers. They've just been so cavalier in their usage of Dalvin Cook. Can't they give Mike Boone some touches? I wish. Mike Boone is the perfect breather back for Dalvin Cook. If anything happens to Dalvin Cook, and it will, it's going to happen. And it's not Dalvin Cook's fault. It's the coaching staff's fault. I hate that coaching staff. This Zemanski tandem from hell. Waging war on offensive efficiency. They need to go to hell. And give Mike Boone more touches. Mike Boone is the perfect breather back. I love that he's best comparable to David Wilson. David Wilson is best deployed 10 touches a game. How can you not be giving Mike Boone 10 touches a game? How? How? He has a 100th percentile burst score. How? How? You got to stash him. If anything happens to Dalvin Cook, Mike Boone and Alexander Madison will share the touches. The touch distribution will be a lot closer than people think in Minnesota. It's going to be the perfect illustration of the handcuff fallacy. Alexander Madison is not just going to pick up the Dalvin Cook workload one for one. Mike Boone's going to get in there. New Orleans Saints, what moves? You better say what I think you're going to say. I hope you say what I want you to say. <sighs> say it. I'm going to buy low on Traquan Smith. Yeah! Woo! That's the answer! For all the reasons we've talked about the last two years on the show, we've already said everything that needs to be said. He's about to come back from a medium severity injury. He's officially a throw-in in deals that no one would blink at. Yep. That is the moment to strike. Few wide receivers have the ability to win downfield with size that Traquan Smith delivers. He has the upper percentile, dominator, breakout age, speed score, burst score. Pick a metric. He checks that box. Carolina Panthers, what are you doing? Uh, I'm not even sure if it's buying high necessarily, but I want DJ Moore. And DJ Moore's value has been super suppressed this year. Buying medium on DJ yeah, Moore. You're just absolutely. buying at his current market rate. Yep. 
I agree. DJ Moore is one of the best wide receiver prospects of the last five years, the best since Samari Cooper in the 2018 draft. And he's been producing while tethered to Kyle Allen. He's the only receiver in that passing game other than Christian McCaffrey getting a consistent target share and delivering consistent receiving yards. That's all you can hope for when the quarterback is Kyle Allen. It's a low bar. You trade for DJ Moore because context matters. We know you're trading for OJ Howard in Tampa. If you can buy high on Chris Godwin, good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you, sir. He's now a top five receiver on our dynasty rankings, and he's only going higher. It's like a helium balloon that a child has let go of, and you, you can't stop it from going higher. Atlanta Falcons, what are you doing? Uh, I think Calvin Ridley is the play here. Calvin Ridley, I, I'm buying at market value. I don't I, I don't think it's high, right? You got to get him, right? DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley were both fantastic prospects last year. I was on DJ Moore. I was off Calvin Ridley for all the wrong reasons. I have since come to Jesus on Calvin Ridley. I have served my penance. I have asked for forgiveness. I was wrong about Calvin Ridley. I did not discount his breakout age because... He enrolled at Alabama two years after the other receivers in his cohort, and he posted a monster true freshman season a la Christian Kirk. I didn't give him enough credit for that, and that's on me. I was wrong, and I am making up for that mistake by gobbling up Calvin Ridley everywhere. 49ers, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, I think the obvious buy low here is going to be Debo Samuel. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Who's a top three wide receiver in the breakout finder? Debo Samuel. Who checks almost every box we look for, including the all-important dynamic score at South Carolina? Who's that, Nate? That's the guy who kills it, is Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is going to be a star. Get him now. Any moves related to the Seattle Seahawks, Nate? Are you familiar with this team, the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, I am. And I, I think there's two here and it depends on, on what you want. I mean, I think it's either going to be DK Metcalf because Tyler Lockett's the obvious buy high. So I, I'm assuming you want to say Tyler Lockett, you're shaking your head at DK, but the other one is Will Disley. That's a guy that, that should be buy low. He's coming up a little bit. I don't know where his value is right now. It's obvious what he is. Tyler Lockett's the guy you want to buy high on. Clearly he's the stud in this offense. There's no doubt. Have you seen... DK Metcalf's route tree so far this season via the next-gen stats. Mm-hmm. It's the same route on the left side every single time. He only runs fades. We talked about this. We have not talked about this. You must have talked about that on a different podcast with someone else. I'm worried about the one-dimensionality of DK Metcalf. I love Tyler Lockett, but like Chris Godwin, good luck. I love... Russell Wilson, but I'm not overpaying for quarterback in a single quarterback league. No. I don't have the bandwidth to go acquire the sub-athlete best comparable to Heath Miller that is Will Disley. I got nothing on this Seattle Seahawks team with one exception. Don't say CJ fucking Procise. It better be anybody but him. It's not CJ Procise. Okay, it shouldn't be. But it is a running back. That's Rashad Penny. With exceptional athleticism, who is best comparable to Matt Breda. His name is Travis Homer. And at some point, the Seattle Seahawks will call Travis Homer's name the youngest running back in the draft with a 94th percentile burst score, who was a target magnet at Miami. Like Mike Boone in Minnesota, he is who Seattle Seahawks should tap to be 
Chris Carson's breather back. You agree? I can't shake my head enough. Why? Here's the thing. What? Because Seattle is notorious. You, you, you know what? You know what? We're not talking about this. I don't, oh, I don't want to talk no, about no, this with no, you. No, 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 You're the worst. I enjoy your takes on every team but the Seahawks. You're too close, man. You're too close to the situation. You're emotional. Let me give this one a try. Let me give it a try. Uh, my issue here is that Seattle is notorious for not giving up on these prospects. Look, CJ Procise has come back into the mix. They're not going to give up on Rashad Penny. Chris Carson's going to continue to be in this mix. I mean, what's the reality that that Travis Homer leapfrogs Procise, leapfrogs Rashad Penny? I, I see you shaking your head. Yes. Yes, yes, because they drafted him. The Seahawks drafted Homer, which means that he's going to be on the team for the next five years. He just needs... Three consecutive injuries ahead of him on the depth chart, and he becomes the starter, Nate. He's an injury away from being an injury away from being an injury away. And those are the guys I want in Dynasty. You you could do worse, I'm sure, than a player that's behind four incumbents to his role. And we're selling low on Brandon Cooks. Final team, take us out on the Arizona Cardinals. The only guy in this offense that I really want is Christian Kirk. And it's Ben Christian Kirk, and I'm not interested in anybody else. Uh, we liked Isabella, but I need to see a lot more from him. We may see Chase Edmonds mm-hmm. in a feature back role this week with David Johnson suffering a back injury. It could happen. You could see Chase Edmonds in full bloom. The small school running back that you dismissed is poised to leverage an upper percentile college dominator, receiving skills and above-average athleticism across the board to make Nate Liss eat it. leverage an upper percentile college dominator receiving skills and above average athleticism across the board to make nate Liss eat it (laughs) and that is the show as you well know that was fantastic what a way to go out and that is the show and that is the show and that is the show Oh, I gotta get some. I gotta get some like slide whistles and what's the thing that they use at the soccer games? A uh... vuvuzela. Yeah, that's right. I just ordered a vuvuzela. It's funny you mentioned that. Of course you did. Because I'm bringing this to the soccer game because I want to light this off when uh, anyone scores a goal. <laughs> yeah, what soccer game? My daughter's soccer game. Okay, well that's great. She's on a she's on a little travel team. That's awesome. She plays uh, right D. Nice. 
Yeah, defense, man. Got to get in there. Got to be a tenacious. Are they on a seven-person team? No, they're full full squad. Really? Yeah. Interesting. All right, man. She must be uh, playing in the big time. Yeah, she's good. Well, a lot of the kids are older than her, but the reason she's good at it, she's a captain. She has a great attitude. For a while, she would let other players dribble the ball in front of her, and she would respect their right to the ball. Right. So I told her this one thing. I said, do not respect their right to that ball. That's your ball. You go up and you kick that ball away every time as if it's yours. Pretend they're not even there. That's what they tell football players. Tackle the running back by running through him. Pretend he doesn't exist. And you'll end up running right through him and destroy him. So she ends up running right through people. She's just this missile. And she has great spatial awareness where she can anticipate where the ball is going to be. And no one wants to get in her way. So these kids just kind of let her have the ball. The other thing I told her was, don't be in a hurry to kick it. Just start dribbling. For a while there, she was like, she touched it once and she wanted to kick it upfield. She can kick it hard, so she wanted to kick it way upfield. And I was like, listen, you're the boss. You're the boss out there. You know, she operates as if she's the boss. And it's great. There's plenty of kids that are more skilled. Right. But she's confident. And that goes a long way, man. I, yeah, my daughter, she, this is the first year she played. She's always done dance, and I wanted her to play soccer. And she's on defense, too. That was the thing. After the first couple practices, she wasn't showing that sort of, like, initiative to go get the ball. My ball mentality, dude. Yeah, I just told her, I go, be physical. I go, use your arm. Don't extend it, but get in there. You know, jockey for position. Kick it away. And and I told her that, if you know, if the ref's going to blow a whistle for physicality, I honestly told her, I go, do yeah. a little less the next time. You know, find that range where you can get away with it. I was never more excited than when there was a, a group of like three kids and she went running into that group and they all fell down. <laughs> yeah. They blew the whistle. They had to talk to her. Yeah, you're good. And she started crying. And I was sitting there like, amazing. Do that every time. Right. She was confused. She was like, why are you clapping? Like, I got yelled at. I was like, doesn't matter. My ball mentality. Yep. You're going to strike fear into the opposition. That's what you need to do at age eight. You just got to shave a little bit off every time until you find sort of that perfect level where nobody's calling it, but you're being physical and more dominant. Here's an exercise. You know what you can do? Every dad should do this for their kid that plays soccer. If, if the kid is at all timid, get a wiffle ball bat and whack them on the shins and show them it doesn't hurt. I'm, I'm dead serious. Take a wiffle ball bat and whack them on the shins and be like, listen, get in there. Kick the ball. So what if you hit someone else's leg? It doesn't hurt. You have shin guards. Right. Right. Look at this. This is what it feels like. Whack them on the leg with the wiffle ball bat. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. I can just throw myself in there and kick away. And if I hit someone else in the leg, oh, well, I have shin guards on. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we, that's why we have shin guards. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I was like, you're, like, indestructible. These shin guards make you a superhero out there. You can do whatever you want. Don't be shy. Get in there and kick. Kick, 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 kick. It's not, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I whack her in the shin with a with a, with a wiffle ball bat just to show her because they've never had a big-time collision where the shin guard protects them. It's just something they put on out of habit. Show her, oh, no, this is why you have them. You have them so you can use your legs as a weapon. You got to weaponize that kid. I can just weaponize them. Search and destroy, man. No, I, I don't disagree. I want her to be like Earl Thomas. I just want her in there blowing the play up. That's what I'm saying. I just got lucky that she also has the spatial awareness thing where she knows how to intercept. That's a big one. You know, anticipate and intercept. So that's amazing. 
Like yeah. she's a couple plays where you know she started on a vector. McNichols could never do this. <laughs> so okay. she started on a vector to intercept the ball kind of at a distance and I was like, oh wow, she gets it, man. It's it's, it's good. It's super important. She's on three teams, tennis team, swim team, and soccer. Good lord. Dude, we miss matches all the time. We miss them all the time. She's got conflicts all the time. And I don't care. I don't care. I want her to be versatile and be a Swiss Army knife player. I don't want her to be one of these travel team kids that specializes in a single sport. Those kids flame out every time. Right. Because their parents are obsessed with never missing a practice, never missing a match. I don't we can't be there. Oh well. Yeah, my kid's at like half the practices and she's still the captain. <laughs> Fuck off. Four three times a week? Get the hell out of here. You're lucky if we show up once a week. Yeah, that's the problem too. I just want her in all these things to get exposure. Like she's missed every tennis match. She's has team tennis matches, she's missed every single one. Oh, she is she even a part of the team? She is. You know, I just cross her name off on the on the matrix of when she can play. Oh, maybe she'll be uh maybe she'll be like a three sport athlete. Like the our starting linebacker in high school, right? Not athletic at all. But guess what? Did not care. He just didn't care. He didn't care about pain, he didn't care about his body. He wasn't that fast. He wasn't that quick. He was just a missile. He was just always there, fucking shit up for the other team. Right place, right time, and he just stuck his helmet in there. And at the high school level, that's pretty much the middle linebacker. Right. That's what you need to do. That's all you have to do. That's all you need to do. Right. Probably three concussions every season. Yeah, that guy's probably pretty screwed up. We loved him. Oh, we loved him. (laughs) Love that guy. My Twitter posts today have revolved around uh, Daryl Morey, uh, Colin Kaepernick, and Washington's racial slur mascot. That encompasses my Twitter activity today. If you were wondering why, I'm so fired up! Nate, you have to listen to my backstage pass that I emailed you. I got it in my email. I saw it. You have to listen to it. Well, it's there. You have to listen to it. It's one of the best shows I've ever done. I will listen to it. It's the first backstage pass I've listened back to in over a year. <laughs> that you really liked? I had to hear my I had to hear myself talk. I had to. I was so good at it. <laughs> okay, well, I mean that's a, that's a resounding. Do you know what the take is? Do you know the take? It was it's my what's one of my best takes ever. I saw you did a take on uh oh god. My position is Colin Kaepernick and Daryl Morey couldn't be more different. If you stand with Kaepernick, you're woke. And also, Daryl Morey's an idiot. Because I see these concentric circles lining up where the Kaepernick stands are automatically caping up for Morey. So I found this unique opportunity to be contrarian while also being woke, which is really hard to do. It's a YouTube video. So just, uh, it's, uh, it's 35 minutes. I will listen to it. So I post two posts whenever I do a backstage pass on Patreon. I post an MP3 and I post a, a YouTube link. Okay. And the MP3 needs to be posted separately so that all those that listen to it as a podcast can access it as a podcast. They also get a more condensed version of the show. Okay. Well, I'll give it a listen. I, I am all about uh, fine-tuning my uh, Patreon talents. Usually, if it's management or coaches, I will tend to come out against them. If it's players, I tend to come out in favor of them. 
So I support the players, the actual gladiators, and if it's anyone in management or coaching, my instinct is to shred them. Even the guy that's advocating for freedom and democracy. Right. And capitalism. Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And he's an analytics guy, too. I mean, he is the tip of the spear of the analytics revolution in sports. I saw that. And I came out against him. Well... You know, you got to draw your lines in the sand, Matt. That's why I felt good. It's been a great week. We had a dance party on Monday celebrating Chris Godwin being better than Mike Evans. And then we close it out with a socioeconomic stance. So I also yelled at my audience just in case there's anyone who wants to call that topic politics. I did see that you let people know in that email that this is a non-fantasy football piece of uh... content. My bigger objection is calling that topic politics. Anything to do with the social sciences, everyone just calls it politics. Sociology, oh, politics. Economics, oh, politics. There's no delineation. We're not talking about taxes. We're not talking about the law. We're not talking about the budget. This has nothing to do with politics. It's really a sociology conversation especially this Kaepernick business. Oh, it's got a sports basis to it, so... Just because Donald Trump tweeted about it doesn't mean it's political. Right. (laughs) Just because Kaepernick wore communist socks once doesn't mean it's political. (laughs) That's what's frustrating to me, is you just want to dismiss it and call it political. It's not politics. It's sociology. It's economics. It ain't politics, man. Calling everything in the social sciences umbrella politics is maddening to me because it's just a way of uninformed people to just wall themselves off from new information you're on a heater i can tell this is coursing through you i can tell imagine if you are anyone with a stake in the nba and daryl morey sends that tweet whether you're lebron james james harden or anyone in the in quotes ownership group of the rockets adam silver i mean you'd be infuriated i can't believe he's still employed i can't believe they're still letting him go to the office and work after costing his employer, costing them billions of dollars with the worst tweet ever sent. I can't believe they let him back into the office. I, I just can't believe it. It was the worst tweet. It was worse than the Justine Sacco tweet. Do you remember the Justine Sacco tweet? I don't. I don't remember anything about these tweets. She said, I'm on a flight to Africa. Oh, that's right. This is mid-flight. Then she lands and she realizes that... That's right. Has Justine landed yet? Right? That's right. Yeah. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. Yeah, I know. And right, it was basically an Anthony Jeselnik joke. Right. And then the joke was on her. Has Justine Sacco landed yet? And my question is, where is the has Daryl Morey landed yet? Hashtag. I look for that hashtag. It doesn't exist. I don't understand how Daryl Morey wasn't insta fired after that. I have no I have no idea. I have no idea. We're talking about billions of people and billions and billions and billions of dollars and the singular NBA team that has most closely associated itself with China. It's not the box, bro. It's Yao Ming's Rockets. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Since Justine Sacco, I've never seen anyone push the self-destruct button so vigorously. And yet he's still employed? Like, I'm offended. I guess anyone can do anything and keep their job. You can just show up naked. You can show up naked to the work site. 
You probably could. I mean, you're not costing your company billions of dollars, are you? I don't think so. I don't think so. You could tell your boss to go fuck himself. That's way less damage than what Daryl Morey did. That is an option. It's really not an option. I have a, a huge improvement in my lifestyle was that I changed my lights in my office. Can you guess what change I made that helped my lifestyle? Can you, can you even guess? What change? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you went to a, an LED. And exactly. Oh, my God. He is an electrician. You nailed it. Wow. These halogen lights were killing me, man. I was sweating. That's ah, too hot. You can tell they're inefficient. They're giving off so much unnecessary heat. Huh? These LED lights, I can touch them. They're cool. That's what happens, man. They're, they're nothing. There's nothing there. And they're so close to me. You know, the studio is tight by design. All my lights are LED now, and I can touch them all. I can't have all this heat on me, man. It's uncomfortable. It's a great move. Well, that's the uh, that's the product of energy being used, Matt. I'm so happy for LED lights. <laughs> well, you know, communism's not that bad. Yeah? Well, guess what? LED lights would never be invented in a communist country. Only through capitalism do you get LED lights. They're, they're quite a game changer, I will say. I'm Mr. Capitalism, so don't go saying, oh, just because I'm anti-Daryl Morey that I'm anti-capitalist, that it couldn't be further from the truth. You can be anti-Morey and pro-capitalist. You know I'm just doing this for the outtake. I'm just doing the same show I did in the backstage pass. I can tell your voice changes. You don't even need to be here. You can, you can tell I'm, I'm fired up. I'm gonna just going to put a you know cardboard cutout of myself right here, right in this seat. And I'll just get the fuck out of here. Just let me know when it's over. I'll be back. I literally, when I when I messaged you, let's push it 15 minutes. I was 20 minutes from my house, or I was 10 minutes from my house. I got home. I ran and got in the shower and got here. I have looked at nothing. I've done no thinking about it. Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna bring me on, and we're just gonna do a rapid fire show, a special report. During the season, all we do are special reports. We don't do real shows. We're not gonna break down any any songs. I got like a late night tennis event to go to. I mean, I want to get out of here. You want to get out of here. We want to give people content. Basically, we go through every team and we give them either a buy high, buy low, sell high, sell low candidate. So on the Vikings, for example, it's easy. You buy low on Stephon Diggs. On the Jaguars, it's easy. You buy high on DJ Chark. And we just go on and on and on, right? I mean, you agree with all those, right? Well, at least those two. You buy high, man. You buy high on Chark. People are like, oh, why do you have Chark ahead of uh, Stefan Diggs on your rankings? Uh, because he's younger and he's destroying Stefan Diggs and it's only going to get better. I hope Diggs goes somewhere else so bad. I know, but we have the rest of the season where we have to suffer through this. What a guy produces in 2019 really matters. If we fast forward to 2020, it's probably on par. But we're projecting a disappointing season for Stephon Diggs, and then that tanks his value. People didn't love Stephon Diggs even before this season. I'm we were way ahead on Stephon Diggs before this season, and now we're, we're going to win on both sides of this. We're also first to sell. We're first to buy. We're first to sell. I want to own Stephon Diggs. If he's cheap right now, I want him. I want him bad. I'm all over that. I'd rather have Chark. Than Diggs? Yeah. Huh, maybe. Dude, Chark's amazing. Chark's amazing because his opportunity is great. If Diggs was getting the opportunity, this wouldn't be such a landslide conversation. But as it stands right now... Hey, man, I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were a run-first team. What happened? 
What do you mean? They got a quarterback that, that had good quarterback play this year. I guess. Or DJ Chark has put that team on his shoulders. Chark's a stud. We're not. This is no debate. He's a total stud, dude. Total, total stud. Game changer. So I think we just go down through every team. Okay. We find a buy low or sell low. Like, would you sell low on Brandon Cooks? Uh, I think he's fucked. It's a tough situation to be in. Yeah, he is kind of, you know, because Cooper Cup's clearly the guy. Robert Woods is exactly the same kind of place as Cooks. He's the target squeeze. The target squeeze. And, and, and he was never a number one. He was always a field stretcher plus. And those guys aren't number ones. And you can't be relying on those guys for WR1 production. He's super talented, but yeah. He just happened to be tethered to Breeze and Brady yeah. and McVeigh. But now that offense isn't quite what it was. Now he's on, he's yeah. essentially on the least efficient offense of his career. He's the anti-Allen Robinson. Imagine if Allen Robinson had those quarterbacks his career. Allen Robinson looks at Brandon Cooks and gives him the middle finger. Because he can't believe how blessed Brandon Cooks has been with quarterback play. All right, bring us on. Bring us on. Let's do a fucking show. All right. Oh, my God. All right. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Be very careful. Be very careful trading for Odell Beckham or Baker Mayfield. This may be a lost season. All right. I give up. It's over now. Odell Beckham's overrated. There I said it. Whoa. 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 I, oh my, I, I don't have the energy to fight this fight, but I'm just going to totally disagree with you. If you can get Odell Beckham at less than what people were asking for prior to this season. Why can't he get open? He has Baker Mayfield. What are you doing? Uh, FYI, Mr. Kelly, maybe Baker Mayfield's not that good. Bodily fluids, Nate. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Uh, this is why this show's number one. And we just all die of typhoid and cholera. Can you call it Oregon? There are some words I willfully say wrong. And what the fuck are you going to do about it, Nate? Team you want to hit your wagon to in terms of pass opportunity. Hit your wagon. Hit your wagon. Hit your wagon. I don't want your life. That was misguided advice. And I'm glad I intervened. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He just needs three consecutive injuries ahead of him on the depth chart, and he becomes the starter, Nate. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The door opens. Miles Boykin, buy alerts. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Allen Robinson looks at Brandon Cook's career and wants to punch him in the face. You don't have the best possible quarterback play? Fuck you, Brandon. Fuck you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you alive? I, I am alive. Get Darius guys. Go trade farm right now. If you don't get Darius guys in the next two weeks, you're doing your fantasy team a disservice. Uh, can I take a guess? Evan Ingram. You didn't let me guess. Uh, can I take a guess? Evan Ingram. You didn't let me guess. Uh, can I take a guess? Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. You didn't let me guess. But I'm just letting you know that you're not perfect with your location pronunciation. I think Oregon sounds good. I can't shake my head enough. 
Aaron Hernandez was the steal because you killed it in the rookie draft two years ago. You killed it in the rookie draft last year. And you absolutely destroyed your rookie draft this year because of us. And you're welcome. I'm going to buy low on Traquan Smith. Yeah! Woo! That's the answer! (laughs) Buy low on Traquan Smith! For all the reasons we've talked about the last two years on the show, we've already said everything that needs to be said. Well, is it a buy low when you know that he's elite? You know who hates Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Most people. He checks zero boxes that the breakout finder gives a shit about. And the talent's there. Just let the man play. Gobbling up. (laughs) Calvin Ridley everywhere. You, you You missed a generational TV show. Daniel Jones is who we thought he was. Dave Gettleman. He's Danny Dudu. You're going to strike fear into the opposition. That's what you need to do at age eight. The Minnesota Vikings should change their team name to the Cavaliers. This Zemanski tandem from hell. Waging war on offensive efficiency. They need to go to hell. I don't watch the games. Mike Boone's going to get in there. Hold on. No, 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 no. I'm talking Roadrunner fast. You get the hell out of this, David Montgomery. Push the sell button. He stinks. <laughs> I see. It stinks. It's such a it's such a great word. I I just it always makes me laugh. This is more of a buy high show than a buy low show. Big big things of spaghetti. His lifetime value was sixty, and then it was seventy, and then it was eighty. You got to get him now before it's a hundred. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a great job. You're good at radio, Nate. I Thank you. I've been working on it. I've been taking Matt Kelly classes on it. It's impossible to produce from injured reserve. Oh, hold on. No, 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 no. I thought you were going to say buy low on Deion Kane like an idiot. Why are you hitching wagons so often in this show? Because he runs like there's a wagon hitched to him.